0: Welcome to episode 20 of That So Second Millennium. I'm Paul Geesting, a geologist, researcher, consultant, writer, and your co-host on this journey through the beautiful frontier country between science, philosophy, and religion as they stand here at the beginning of the third millennium. My opposite number is Bill Schmidt, who's a journalist, a radio personality, and a dab hand with the accordion. This week, Bill managed to snag an interview with Ro- Father Robert Spitzer, who runs the Magis Center in California. He's the host of Father Spitzer's Universe on EWTN. He's published a number of books, which tend to have provocative titles. Um, The one that I've read is called New Proofs for the Existence of God, and it's an exciting read for anyone who's interested in the subject matter of this podcast. The book travels through scientific and philosophical and mathematical arguments. They include the debate over fine-tuning, which is to say whether someone had to deliberately create the universe as it is. The argument is that given how tightly constrained many physical constants seem to have had to be in order for any of the complex structures of atoms, molecules, planets, stars to form and allow the appearance of life, that there had to be someone who chose the constants to have the values that they have in order to allow all of that. So he talks about that at length. Another question he handles, one that was really fascinating and completely new to me at the time I read the book, was the question of whether it really makes any sense to speak of a reverse infinity, to speak to say, that is to say, of a universe that's always existed, that's always looked more or less the way that it is. Um, So people, of course, you know, Indian thinkers, pretty famously Hindu and uh, Buddhist thinkers, and for that matter, Plato and Aristotle and many of the Greeks... And even Thomas Aquinas, they either thought that the universe really was like that, that it's really always existed, or at the very least, they thought that there's no logical contradiction in saying that it could have always existed. Thomas Aquinas actually spends a considerable amount of the Summa Theologiae making that argument, or at least summarizing the arguments. And that's clearly his belief. Is that while it didn't actually happen that way, Thomas says, because Thomas is a Christian and has to believe in creation, it could have happened that way. So Spitzer, in New Proofs for the Existence of God, actually brings forward a number of more recent 19th and especially 20th century mathematical philosophical arguments that maybe that doesn't really even make sense at all. Um, That's a topic that uh, we definitely look to handle in future podcasts. So for today, the interview between Bill and Father Spitzer is really largely about the state of modern culture And the demographics of young people leaving the practice of faith and even the identification of faith. And of course they give as a reason, whether in reality this is the the actual operative reason or not, is another subject for another time as well. But they at least give as a reason the perception that there is this fundamental contradiction between belief and God, between science and faith. So... And the nice thing is that Father Spitzer not only spends a little time bemoaning this, but he goes on to talk about things that he's doing about it, and what people at the Magis Center are doing about it. And, of course, we talk a little bit, uh, Bill and Father Spitzer talk a little bit, about the absurdity of this perceived contradiction, because it really doesn't make that much sense. With that, I'll let Bill and Father Spitzer take it away.
1: Well, we welcome Father Robert Spitzer to the interview here for our podcast. And you, I bet a lot of our listeners are fans of Father Spitzer's universe on the EWTN TV network. And in that program, Father Spitzer certainly uh, explores a lot of the territory that our podcast explores, that intersection not only between faith and reason, but science and religion. And I, Father might not know too much about our podcast, but we uh, we represent uh, two lay people i and my co-host paul geesting we represent simply uh, two lay people who you know have always uh, loved both faith and reason and seen it as essential to evangelization that the church can can bring to improve uh, the the world the the human community and we're curious about what uh, next steps might lie ahead for that process And Father, you're uh, just very much on top of that. You're helping to lead the way. We'll talk about a new website with which you're helping to lead the way. But if I may, first of all, welcome very much, uh, a very hearty welcome to our podcast. It's an honor to have you. And second, the uh, the whole idea of the intersection of faith and reason, uh, integrating science and religion it seems that it's it's of growing interest in many circles uh from uh the education of high school uh students, uh, education of high school teachers who then pass along that wisdom to uh students uh plus uh you know the evangelization and youth ministry communities who realize that uh we're losing all too many students uh or we're losing a lot of the faith um uh, uh motivation of of students uh by dint of their uh strong cultural exposure to uh scientific rationalism uh and and then of course just the church at large is is pursuing this uh, uh more and more energetically with help of organizations like your own Magis institute uh am I right uh that that this trend in uh exploring that intersection is growing and uh, it, taking uh, perhaps uh, new paths that could be uh, uh, both signs of the urgency of the matter and also the hope for the future? Uh,
2: absolutely. Um, you know, the, there's a couple of different things going on. Um, but um, the last few survey, which was 2016, <clears throat> showed that about 41% of our young people eventually wind up being unbelievers. So we're not talking about just leaving the church here or being bored by homilies or something like that.
1: right and so uh, and that that is really
2: something different uh, than we've seen a lot of the times we've seen in the last two generations a lot of people have left the Catholic Church to join a, an evangelical church or they've left the, the Catholic Church and then rejoined the Catholic Church after you know a certain amount of time when they got through their teenage years etc this is very different uh, this this is uh, uh, people leaving not only the church but religion faith in God God leaving behind God yeah. and so this is a a matter of real real concern. Uh, The the second thing is, yes, it has been accelerating, and the faith and science problem that you talked about, uh, the Pew survey in 2016, also had a follow-up survey um, asking these younger people, well, why did you leave the faith or why are you uh, thinking uh, seriously about leaving uh, faith altogether? And fifth 80 percent of them, well, actually 492 or whatever it was, mm. uh, percent of them indicated that it was because of faith and science in particular. Uh, not just faith and reason, though a lot of people did uh, have faith and reason questions as well, but faith and science was right at the hub awesome. of why so many people were leaving. So, yes, it's urgent. Uh, there's a misperception that there is a contradiction between faith and science when there really isn't there's a, just a huge amount of evidence in favor of belief in god from a scientific perspective and that's what we're trying to alleviate
1: yes yeah, yeah and do you think that this what this kind of uh, gap was uh, percolating for a long time and simply was not being addressed in uh catholic schools uh, around the country and perhaps in in parishes etc or is there something in in very recent years that accelerated it all the more uh that i was i wonder if uh, such an understanding would help us to find a cure
2: well the answer is yes it's both okay uh, in, in other words yes it, it had been percolating for a long time um Out in the digital um, platform uh, area, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, websites, etc., uh, the internet. Um, the the fact is, um, there is a real push uh, toward atheism in that uh, arena, and um, just a lot of websites devoted to uh, you know various dimensions of unbelief, and that strangely has accelerated some of the problem in the schools Uh, and even now, even within some of our Catholic schools, we have you know, teachers who almost uh, science teachers maybe who profess agnosticism, not so much in the Catholic schools, but definitely in the public schools. It starts in the high school and definitely in college a lot of the kids will lose their faith. They have no answers, they have no uh, uh, evidence that contravenes what uh, people are saying, you know, just These are hip-shoot statements,
0: but they have no evidence
2: to respond to them, and and it's a real problem.
1: Yes, and it's ironic, too, isn't it, that that the new atheism to which they're responding, or at least certain uh, books and certain authors reflecting the new atheism, um, they're actually presenting these young people and all people with a a kind of atheism and a kind of uh, reasoning or approach to reality... That's actually, uh, even shallower and more misleading than older forms of atheism.
2: Is that, is that right? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, the arguments upon which the atheism is premised is, they're really pretty facile. But, uh, you know, the, the point is they can be easily responded to, ah. easily redressed. And that's what we're trying to do uh, with CredibleCatholic.com. I mean, we're trying to get it in every confirmation program, every high school that we can. And we're currently operating in 78 archdioceses and dioceses throughout the nation. Right now, our trainers are helping to deploy uh you know the the um curriculum in those dioceses and we fly over free of charge everything is free that's great uh, for yeah.
1: wow yeah and i've seen i've seen some of the uh the video and um uh kind of the uh uh it's 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 verbal uh presentations that really clarify point by point everything that's that's being discussed. It seems very user-friendly and learning-friendly.
2: That's right. I mean, um, basically, um, um, we, uh, right now we're in 40% of the archdioceses and dioceses in the U.S. Wow. Um, obviously, we want to be in 100%, and we'd like to be in full deployment. Full deployment means... Uh, in every confirmation class, catechetical class in high school that we can get it into uh, realistically. Um, we have a program for 7th through 9th grade, and we have another program for 10th grade and above. And, um, you know, some people actually use the 7th through 9th grade one for their 10th and 11th grade classes, fine with us. You well, know, anyway. People want to use it. The material is there. It's highly graphic. And what it is, they're, they're voiceover over PowerPoints. Right. So, uh, and, so you just, uh, all a teacher has to do is just download these seven essential modules um, to his or her uh, computer or laptop, right? right? So you download it to your laptop. That's free of charge. All the You know, you just get on our website, crediblecatholic.com, click on Seven Essential Modules, and then you can just download them right onto your computer. And all you need to do is hit the space bar, and um, the, the PowerPoint will start. The PowerPoints are read to you. I so, you know, you've got, um, in the 10th grade and above version, you have some print, you know, that's that's there, and some graphics, and some embedded videos, nice. whereas the 7th to 9th grade one, it's very graphical, and everything is, is, is auditory, you know, so you hear it, but you're not reading it on, on the on the screen as well, but the point is, you don't have to do anything. Uh, You've got two nice, pleasant people reading these, you know, the material and talking about science and the shroud of Turin or the latest scientific evidence for an intelligent creator or near death experiences and terminal lucidity and the evidence for a transphysical soul or, you know, 20th and 21st century miracles that, uh, you know, that have been scientifically validated, etc. And so all these things are there, which just offers this huge body of evidence. Yes. You hit the space bar, it'll stop at every page. So each, each of the presentations is about, uh, you know, you think, well, 50 PowerPoint pages. That's a lot of pages. It, a PowerPoint page is not a lot of material, believe me. Right. So, you know, you, it, it just hits it. Uh, it reads that page, you know, it'll pause, you know, or if there's an embedded video in there, you just play it. And each module is about 90 minutes each. But if you just get through those modules, just in the class, you can answer questions, or you can make it play continuously for longer, uh, you know, than a page. So you can have maybe one to two pages or three pages or whatever it may be. And um, it just goes right through it for you, um you'll really literally don't have to do anything it'll even play the embedded videos automatically so that um it's it's very user-friendly there's um, a digital book online which you can print out but we also it's a 120 page book that has all the summaries of the material and all the graphics and everything it's all free but if you want to buy the the bound and paper version
1: of that, it'll cost you $6.50. That's not too so, bad. Um, Over
2: 120
1: Facebook It's <laughs>
2: Perfect. It really <laughs> is. Am I going to
1: say so myself? Amen, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, we're not making any whopping profits oh. for that. <laughs> oh, it's a good investment in the future. <laughs> that's right. Investment in the future. Yes. That's what we're all about. Yeah yeah but I like the you know that that idea of a, a huge a very wide ranging body of of evidence being provided really resonates with with me because uh one of the things uh kind of referring back to the critique of modern atheism uh my impression is that uh maybe one reason that the atheism is so attractive now is that it's almost all kind of just um uh it's it's not a wide-ranging body of evidence uh it's it's in fact very uh kind of shallow and and uh built on uh, assumptions and labels and even mockery of of uh you know the traditional understandings uh oftentimes and it's uh, 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 uh the only way to perhaps convince these uh young people is to offer um, you know a multi-point ap- uh, approach uh, to uh, the value of of faith and reason and science and religion.
2: Yeah, so it, exactly, it, uh, and, and uh, um, that that's exactly the point. And so um, you know, uh, I have to tell you, the multi-point approach—you um, know—it's like uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman. Uh, had this wonderful thing called an informal inference and what he just said is look faith is not grounded on one set of you know evidence alone It's grounded on about 20 different
1: sets of independently validatable evidence. Wow. So you've got some proofs for the existence of God.
2: You've got some scientific evidence directly for an intelligent creation. You have all the evidence of of a transphysical soul from near-death experiences. You get all this evidence for the resurrection of Jesus emblazoned on the Shroud of Turin. You have all these miracles concerned with Mary, with the saints, with Eucharist miracles that have been scientifically validated, etc. You have all that stuff, right? And what you do, and he says, look, when you put together, you know, a, a variety of independently, uh, you know, validatable um uh, a scientifically uh, validatable um, sets of evidence, it really forms the basis for a very solid judgment. Yeah, that, yeah you can be a very scientific, reasonable person right. and have a ton of evidence for God, for Jesus Christ, even for the church itself. And so that's the point. And by the way, the approach itself has led to 97% positive and very positive rankings by the kids who've been beta tested in austin texas in new york and in los angeles 97 percent rated positive and very positive for fending opt-outs maintaining and defending their faith so that's a huge deal i mean this is the kids we don't coach them you know, they take it their little um, surveys online, completely anonymously, and we don't know who said what at all. And they can, you know, as far as we're concerned, uh, we just accumulate the data, or the computer accumulates the data, and um, you know, very, very objectively. And most of them say they are, they actually feel not only that. They have much more evidence for their faith, but they are much better prepared to defend their faith to others. Very nice. Yeah, well,
1: Adam, that's key, isn't it? uh, Yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't just stop with each individual. We all have that missionary discipleship uh, mission. Once we've learned it and grasped it, we should share it with others. Uh, And uh, yeah, you have to have that full body of wisdom, uh, knowledge to, to, to share uh and it also reminds me of uh, something that i just became familiar with in the last few weeks uh because uh, a group called uh, the um uh ratzinger uh, pope benedict vatican foundation uh, apparently has started giving awards for something they call uh expanded reason and uh, i had not heard that term before i guess the whole point is that uh Today's approach to reason is just so <laughs> rationalistic and so positivistic and and uh, mani- perhaps manipulatable because it, it it doesn't look at the big picture. Is is that uh, is the church realizing that um, it's time to evangelize on the basis of, of expanded
2: reason? Well, yeah, I mean. Uh... It, frankly, for years, oh. and you know, we, you know, let's face it, scientism has been around since you know the, the, the Vienna Circle and the, and the whole school of positivism going back to the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah. So I mean, you're dealing with like 1901; these guys are coming to the, you know, to this country from Europe, and they're they're basically making an invalid uh, uh, supposition from the very beginning. They they're saying all scientific uh, I mean, all truths uh, must be scientific truths. The only valid truths are those that are scientific. Yeah. Well, that statement itself, the only truth is, is scientific. That cannot be validated by science because science is empirical. It has to be validated by observational evidence. And it never can... Uh, give you evidence for a universal. A universal means an all or an only or a none. Right. So when you when you have those three words, that's not. It's not possible to, to use uh, those words and, and prove it scientifically because the only kind of scientific proof is observational data, which can never, you know, talk about only or all or none. It talks about some and this one and that one that has been observed. So you basically have a, a self-refuting proposition. Now, this goes all the way back to 1901. Yeah. So uh, the church has wrestled with this, pointed these things out again and again. And then we've been doing expanded reason, frankly, for centuries.
1: Interesting, uh-huh. Yeah. and uh, really, <laughs> Right? We have to... Uh... We have to re-catechize and and remind Catholics and non-Catholics alike that uh, that this is not some kind of new approach uh, invented by the Vatican or something. It's, uh, That's right, exactly. Time-tested, time I mean, yeah. Has been, uh, I mean, it's the complaint of the whole philosophical community. One time I was, you know, having a little, uh, uh, shall we call it an animated discussion, on uh-huh. Larry King's show. I that remember that. Stephen Hawking, Leonard
2: Mladenov, and, right. and Deepak Chopra.
1: Wow. And,
2: and one of the things, that the contentions that came up, uh, you know, during the show, uh, you know, was, you know, Stephen's um, uh, contention you know, in his book, The Grand Design, that that somehow science had replaced philosophy. Mm. Well, science can't replace philosophy because, as I just said, scientific truths all have to be grounded in observational data. And, of course, there are a million other truths you know, like in mathematics. Mathematics is not science. Mathematics is a completely different discipline that's based, you know, on axioms and so forth. Metaphysics, logic, none of those things, which is which are all embraced by philosophy, are, are not embraced by science. So the proposition from the very beginning is crazy.
1: That's so so when we're
2: dealing with it again and again and again. Or you know, people try to narrow down the whole range of validatable truths to those that are scientific or observational or whatever. And of course, it's a self-refuting proposition from the very,
1: very start. Amazing. Yeah. And then, lastly, the the uh, the other paradox or or contradiction that I think I see out there uh, now more than ever is that at the same time that so much of our culture and unfortunately too much of our uh, educational system is dumbing down uh this interaction between faith and reason and science and and religion and and all um the uh there there is a strong and growing community uh of catholic scientists in fact and of other people uh, perhaps right that they realize that hey you know, yeah there's there's reason to look for synergies here rather than to look for the division between these qualities
2: Started, you know, a, a wonderful society of Catholic scientists. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, all of them have PhDs in a scientific discipline, and and it's grown like in its first year to 700 members right away. Last time I looked. Uh, it was at 700 members. Wow! And and it, it's just skyrocketing, frankly. And and they really have these wonderful conferences now. They're, they're putting together the thoughts of so many people just in this area of faith and science uh, you know not just in the area of physics which is more my specialty but also in the area of biology and, and also uh, chemistry and, and uh, even the, the earth sciences etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's, it's really um, taken off uh, beautifully and um, I, I, we can expect to see a, a lot of that flow over into the uh, um, into the uh, uh, pedagogy for the high schools And and the colleges as well.
1: One would think that uh, as uh, these young people are challenged, and you know, they're presented first with this uh, uh, compatibility, and then if they're challenged to apply uh, both faith and reason uh, to the real, interesting scientific advancements and challenges that we're going to be confronting and already are confronting as a as a world everything from artificial intelligence to uh you know uh, uh, uh global change uh, there, there are huge issues that we kind of inherently admit uh we we obviously are not handling very well by science alone is is there uh, maybe that's one source of hope that we're going to realize hey we need to bring to bear every uh, intellectual and faith resource in order to just make sure that we're not going off the tracks in some very bad way
2: yeah well I mean artificial intelligence will probably reach its limit intrinsically really because yeah it, it really um, you know to talk about a truly creative artificial intelligence is you know it's it's not really happening. Uh, There are obviously very, very fast-paced computers that process all kinds of algorithms in remarkable ways, with remarkable degrees of complexity in programming. No question about that. But really, the idea of discovering a new mathematical theorem or a new scientific uh, theorem uh, through a computer alone... Without you know, literally the, a human being giving it every step of the process. Yeah, um, that isn't going to happen. And you know, there was a, a you know a mathematician named Kurt Gödel, um, oh. you know, uh, uh, um, who actually had a proof. It was a you know an incompleteness theorem, but but essentially what it shows is that um, algorithmically based programmable intelligence uh, can never. Come to mathematical solutions and creative discoveries right. in the same way that human intelligence does. And in fact, speaking of Stephen Barr, there's a, a nice little proof of that in Stephen Barr's book called um, um, Modern Physics and Ancient Faith. And if people
1: like that uh, uh, book, it's Notre Dame University Press. Indeed. It's about 10 years ago. Or so. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard it really raved about, but it's a really great book.
2: Yeah yeah it's a great book and um uh, that might be something to start with there's a nice little section on there on Gettle's proof and and I think that you're probably going to reach an intrinsic limit uh to you know what um the create the creative level uh, that computers can get to. The other thing, of course, is uh, computers do not love in the sense that we do. Yeah. They do not um, have a sense of goodness or a, a sense of conscience or a sense of justice yeah. uh, like we do. They, they don't have a sense of aesthetics or beauty like we do, and they certainly don't have a sense of spirituality, God, or transcendence right. that we do. And so when you get right down to it, uh, they lack all the major transcendental desires and awareness. I mean, computers are just really pretty, you know, flat. Now they are quick, but uh, yeah. in terms of having the breadth of, you know, uh, you know, beauty and and, and aesthetics and spirituality and, and and religion and and conscience and and, and goodness and and, and a sense of of love and empathy. Um, you know, as, as they say in New York, forget about it. <laughs> right. You know, the, the, this, this, this is not going to happen. So, um, and moreover, they're not ever going to be creative in mathematics or metaphysics or logic in the way that we are. Yes, the application of the equations or the logical formulae that we give, give them, yes, they could be incredibly rapid and quick, etc., but in terms of breadth and depth, uh, as they say, forget
1: about it. That, well, yeah. And if students truly want to be, uh, both, uh, creative and, uh, entrepreneurial, as well as to have their inherent demands, uh, those, uh, those demands cited by, uh, uh, St. Augustine, right? Uh, the, uh, you know, that, uh, that God-sized hole in our hearts that, where that needs exactly. to be filled, right? If they're looking for goodness, yeah. justice, and beauty, They're going to wind up looking for something beyond science anyway. um, Oh, absolutely. In fact, there's a wonderful poll or
2: survey that was done by the American Psychiatric Association uh, a while back in um, in 2004. This uh, Dr. Kanita Dervik and 10 other psychiatrists did a very, um, you know, Uh, long-standing, I think it was 11 years of study or something, um, and they uh, published it in the American Psychiatric Association. It's free online, by the way. I just put um, uh, suicide rates and non-religious affiliation into Google, and you can get this uh, free of charge. But anyway, uh, they did this poll, and what did they find? Mm -hmm. They found that non-religiously affiliated people by comparison with religiously affiliated people. So these are the non-religiously affiliated people had right. much higher
1: suicide rates, oh my much
2: God. higher suicide attempts, much higher depression and malaise, much higher impulsivity, much higher aggressivity, Mm -hmm. much higher substance abuse, much higher familial tensions than the religiously affiliated comparable group. Now, if you look at that and you get all the other factors out, so you have just as many people from economic... You know, level one and economically level two, economic level two, three, four, five, you know, and you got as many people from the religiously affiliated, non-religiously affiliated uh, groups in there for not just that, but educational background, same thing. You can eliminate all these other possible causes. And when you've got it sort of narrowed down to religious affiliation versus non religious affiliated, boy, I'll tell you, the religiously affiliated people are much more fulfilled, much higher sense of dignity, destiny, and happiness, right? Much higher sense of, you know, uh, obligation, responsibility uh, to others, etc. I mean, there's just no question, you know, religion is needed to fill the God-sized hole in our
1: hearts. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well so uh closing up uh this by looking forward then uh yeah especially given that urgency that's implied in in statistics like you just cited um it's it's obvious that we need to take a number of steps and one of them is very much uh that uh, that uh, website the uh, credible catholic website uh, give give our listeners um, the uh, the URL for that again. Is it credible Catholic? Sure. Yeah. Just uh, CredibleCatholic dot
2: Put it in, in you know any search engine. Right. CredibleCatholic.com. Right, and yeah. then it will t- uh, when you get to the site, just click on Seven Essential modules. Okay. If there's a big red button right in front. Just click on that. And you can download them to your computer. You can view them all by yourself free of charge. You can print out the digital book. And if you have a uh, you know, if your diocese is interested in this, if you're a catechism teacher, uh, etc., or you're a, a confirmation teacher, a high school teacher, and you're interested in this, uh, just give us a call at the number right there on the website, and we will help you get in contact with your diocesan associate uh, who's in charge of that. Uh, if we're already there in the diocese, if not, uh, we would sure appreciate your help in getting uh, into your diocese. But I think we actually are uh starting to deploy right now uh we're doing teacher trainings in Fort Wayne uh right in your
1: um, wonderful uh, no. wonderful yeah. oh yeah i'll um i'll try to find out more about that and be able to uh, uh direct listeners uh, directly to um to a a different uh more specific uh, resource huh locally sure that's great yeah. that's great and i know that uh, at Notre Dame uh, Dr. Cavadini and all, they, they, they have workshops that they're setting up for high school teachers. Uh, to, uh, and to get, yeah uh, And that makes sense too, I guess, just to get the science and religion teachers together in schools to make sure that they're not teaching uh, students in completely isolated silos that almost uh, instruct the students that these two things don't fit together. <laughs>
2: So I do think we have to bring them together and and give the you know uh, the, you know the, the really rich treasures from both areas of faith you know and and science and, and that openness that, that leads to the kind of idea of a university that John Henry Newman
1: talked about ah very good point yes yeah the the uh, the need is not new the uh, the insight is not new and the Catholic Church has a lot of that time tested. Uh, wisdom, uh, and, uh, uh, we can certainly appoint uh, people to the Magic Center's website as well, right? The resources are, uh, even more yeah, ample there, there, right? Resources,
2: yeah, And that's Magic com.
1: Very good. Cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, um thank you for being part of the answer to some pretty uh, sophisticated and challenging, uh, and urgent problems, uh, in, in how our society is approaching Knowledge.
2: Uh, and my pleasure, Bill. And
1: happy to do it anytime. Thank you very much, Father. All the best in all of your all of your work. Thank you for your uh, being an instrument of the Holy Spirit in in all of these matters. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you.
0: So there we have it. I also want to thank Father Spitzer for taking the time to give this interview. We hope to present many more interviews as that so second millennium matures and gets going. The point of the podcast has always been to get conversations started about these core issues, whether and how to be a logically coherent believer in the modern age. It started with these conversations between Bill and I. Between Bill and me. But the point is to move outward and engage with more of you. The time is rapidly coming to expand this outreach another step or two through social media and uh, other ordinary human interactions. Right now, you can check out the Facebook page for that so second millennium and you can leave ratings and reviews on one or more of our podcast servers, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher or Podbean. I uh, hope you hope that you do. I hope that if you found anything valuable in this podcast, you share it with someone that you know. And uh, we look forward to being with you next time on episode 21 of That's So Second Millennium.